morning, good afternoon, whatever part of day it is for you as you have tuned in once again to Backwoods Theology. We want to welcome everybody who is listening. Uh, we are back again around the table. I want to uh, first off just make mention we have an R. We are three uh, uh, pastors in three different churches doing uh, ministry. It is the middle or got about to be the middle of summer. We are busy guys. And um, so, but we still miss this time. And so we wanted to uh, come back together to discuss some more things. And uh, we, we really enjoy, I hope the listener enjoys as much as we enjoy just this camaraderie and the conversations we have around the table. Um, I want to very quickly uh, uh, tell the listener and, and basically do a shout out for a listener. Um, I was recently out in the Midwest and uh, became good friends with a pastor, Brother Andrew, in First Baptist Church in Eaton, Ohio. And so I want to reach out and say, Andrew, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Um, he is a faithful listener, loves this. And um, so thank you for everybody who listens. I'm just, I'm just you know, amazed people listen to us. But, um, but uh, yeah, I just, I, I personally wanted to do a shout out to Brother Andrew. He is wonderful. I told him, I said, if you ever come to Maine, you're always welcome. We'd love to have you on the episode. But he found out today, Brother Wiley, that one of us doesn't drink coffee. And so he told me he might unsubscribe now. Wow. Because that really bothered him. Wow. So the sacrilegious... Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, but anyway, welcome. Here we have Brother Chad. Yes, sir. And uh, Brother James Wiley. Good morning. And uh, we're excited to be together once again. Last time, man, uh, listener, thank you for putting up. Uh, it was long enough. We did a two-part episode, and uh, maybe this will be another one. I don't know. But we're having a good time studying uh, the book of Revelation. It has been a joy just to get to chapter two. And um, so we're going to jump right back in. I believe the the head um, moderator, I'm just kidding, no, a uh, person who's been really showing and, and, and talking through some things in the book of Revelation has been Brother Wiley. So I'm going to turn it right over to you, brother, and uh, you continue where you left off. Well, I've listened a few times to our last episodes just to, because, you know, sometimes there's a few weeks in between when we're able to record, and so I like to be fresh on that. Uh, but the premise of probably, I think the best debate that we've had so far in Backwoods Theology is the fact that I brought out the point that I believe that these churches in Revelation 2 and 3 are actually tribulational churches. Um, just for review, historically, the way that people have viewed these uh, seven churches of Revelation 2 and 3 would be twofold, I believe. There would be one, those who feel these are just seven churches that John writes these letters to, that's all they are, you know, well, I shouldn't say, you know, I'm not trying to minimize by that's all there, but that's that's all that it is. It's just like the letter to Corinth, to Colossae. These are churches that existed. John is writing a letter unto them, and I would say that's the minority position, at least in my opinion. I believe, just in folks that I've read or talked to, the majority opinion would be a, I guess you could call a dual fulfillment of these letters. Uh, that they were, yes, seven churches which existed during the church age, but they are also prophetic in nature in that they show these seven periods of church history, which I have not researched to find out when that was popularized. I imagine it wasn't in the 1200s or the, you know, how does someone in 1100 AD reading the Word of God, they think, oh, we're in this age and there's these ages to come. You know, yeah. we, oh, have, we have the luxury of... We're Sardis, yeah. <clears throat> we have the luxury of looking backward hmm. and fitting in historical things. And can we say that we get in trouble where we try to fit things into the Word of God? 
Um, right, instead you, of just we superimpose, right? Superimpose a, our bias onto a situation and see what we want to see. An earthquake happens in Turkey, right? And we're like, oh, this is Matthew twenty-four. Mm -hmm. You know, we're we're superimposing things into the Word of God, and I, I do think we get in trouble. Um, my belief now is, and it's even more firm than it's ever been, is that these letters to the seven churches are neither A nor B, that they are C, that these are churches which are going to be functioning specifically in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Um, and uh, I know we talked about it for quite some time and we're going back and forth, and I thought it would be good after our good hearty debate that at least in my mind, to step backward and say, okay, what was it that convinced me of this? What were my hang-ups? What, what was I struggling with? And because I believe that once I could, you know, it's like putting on a shirt, a button shirt. If you, get, if you start with the wrong button, the rest of the shirt is just not going to line up. Mm. And so I believe right division. If we don't start with the right time, it's like getting the button wrong on your shirt. It's just all going to be wrong. And so once I feel in my mind I was able to get the right button in the right position, then the rest of it lined up. And actually, once I understood chapters two and three, I was then able to go back to chapter number one, because I feel like there's stuff in chapter number one that we need to go back and, but in my mind, in the way that God did it for me was he first got me settled on two and three, and then I was able to go back and get chapter one correct, uh, because there's that time frame. Okay, when, when does John start speaking of the day of the Lord? Is it verse 10 or is it verse one of chapter one? And so I, I guess I'll I guess I'll do my bombshell now and then we'll I believe right from the very first word of revelation it's speaking of the tribulation. I don't believe it's speaking of the church age at all. And so that's my bombshell to start off the I went back and I studied verses one to nine. And because, again, we look at verse 4, and we're trying to fit verse 4 into the church age, mm -hmm. um, and quite frankly, it just still doesn't fit with me. Verse 4 just doesn't fit in the church age. And so I, after further study of this passage, I really do believe Revelation in its entirety is speaking of an age to come, speaking of an age to come. And these are seven churches that are functioning specifically the first three and a half years. I, th I think that's um, what is what's going to fit with the scriptures at the three and a half year period when the Antichrist, the, the desolation, God is going to draw them out mm -hmm. and take them into the wilderness. And they will once again be the church in the wilderness. Right now, they're not the church in the wilderness. And for that first three and a half years, they're able to function uh, during that tribulation period. And then at that midway point, God is going to draw them out. And there's several references to that right in these letters. You know, the, the reference in, um, where is it? Uh, there's the reference to, if you don't repent, you're going to go through great tribulation as... There's that reference to the second, that's uh, verse 22 of chapter 2. This is the church at Thyatira. Behold, behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And, mm -hmm. I, and I have much more on that. I'm just, I'm setting the premise just to say, okay, here's the end goal in my mind, is to have the correct timing for the book of Revelation. Because if we don't, you know, it, it's like Matthew 24. People are looking for these signs, and they shouldn't be, because Agreed. they're not for this age. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I believe my whole life I've been taught chapters two and three of Revelation of these things, 
And I don't believe we're to be looking for these things. Um, Can I jump on that? Absolutely. Just, I, I heard another uh, pastor p- frame it this way, and it was really helpful to me, that the last days of the church are um, known by the behaviors of men, and the last days of Israel have to do with signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, that would be just Second Peter 3, right? That's where you want to look, Second Peter 3, not the listener. If you look at Second Peter 3, um, Second Timothy, rather, I'm sorry, I'm thinking about Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, this know that in the last days perilous times shall come, and then you see descriptions of those last days of the church. The behavior of men. Correct. Right. As there's, opposed, no, there's, there's, there's no, no sensational thing. Right. No. So an earthquake today is not a sign of for the church. Of perilous times. Right. That's right. But... Men being lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, you know, those are things that would be indicative of the last days of the church, which I think we could all say we can see those things, mm-hmm. you know, um, but go ahead. And I think it's good to say that the last days of the church are different than the last days of Israel, mm-hmm. right? That's what you're yes. saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So contextually, when it says last days, well, the last days for who? Of what? Right. Of who? Is it, you know, and I would say you are seeing sensational things in these letters in that the Bible specifically speaks of Satan's activity, mm-hmm. Satan himself, right? Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. men doing things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it talks about... Uh, the works of Satan, and I'll and I'll bring those things out. It, it talks about the devil is going to do these things. Satan's seat, right? It's just several references to the working of Satan himself. And I'm not saying that Satan's not at work today, um, but it, it speaks of his activity during this time, which I really believe is. You know, those parables of Christ, the wheat and the tares, Mm -hmm. you know, the evil one who is going to be planting his seed during this time. For me, again, because I've struggled for years on these letters, because again, I just did not see how the doctrine of these letters fit today's age. Um, if, If these are for this age then you and I really have to change the way we preach. If, if these letters are for us today, mm. then, okay, whatever he that overcometh, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I believe, and it's in every letter, I believe the reference to he that overcometh is a reference to the mark of the beast. That's what I believe it is. Well, we could say it's something else. Well, we're to overcome whatever. If you look at the consequence of not overcoming, let's say if, if the he that overcometh is for us in this age, the church age, and whatever that is, if it's we need to overcome our... Is there ever anywhere in the epistles where it speaks of the fact that if we don't do this, we're going to experience the second death? Right. We are going to have our name blotted out. I'll show you this today, that if we don't overcome, we will bring about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeah, because every letter references his second coming, not the rapture, Mm -hmm. and that the conduct of this church will bring about his second coming. How... does the church have the ability to bring about the second coming of Christ? Mm. I, I mean, it's all through these letters. Um, and but, but the first hang-up for me, the reason why I'm trying to make it both, this dual fulfillment, for me, it's the use of the word church. When I see the word church, I think this has to be church age. And that's always been my biggest stumble in placing the timing of these letters, it is because of the use of the word church. When I think church, I think church age. And it's just not so. The Bible teaches us that 
there have been and there will be churches in other ages besides this age. Once I understood that, then it just seemed to make so much more sense to me Mm -hmm. to understand that, okay, there have been and there will be a church. Now, will it be a New Testament church? No. No, it will not. Will it be a church by our doctrine that we ascribe to today? No, it won't. Will it be a church when Paul said, um, if any other man or an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed? Well, that's for this age. That's for this age. Mm. Because right from verse number one of Revelation, there's an angel preaching different doctrine Mm -hmm. than is in our age. So that violates... Galatians one versus what is it eight nine ten? I heard a um, I heard a help this week on that very subject. Uh, last week on that very subject of the angel, you know, why would the apostle Paul bring that up in Galatians? You know, if I or any or an angel from heaven preach, but notice in chapters two and three, unto the angel of the church, unto the angel of the church in Revelation one, there's an angel preaching. This is a different time. Angels don't preach right now, as far as that the way we consider preaching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, so angels aren't for the church age, as you and I refer to, the New Testament church. Um, but I heard that this week, and I think, Chad, you sent me uh, a link to that. Um, and that, that was made me think. Uh, again, you know what I mean? It was one of those, well, that's interesting. I heard another person who... Um, cause I, I research, but I also, I, I like podcasts mm. and, um, so I listened to this pastor who's, who's in heaven now. Um, but he shared a, something with revelation I never considered either. He mentioned that he believes uh, revelation one is the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so this isn't, so when I hear brother Wiley say that, I'm like, oh, that's not new for me. I, I heard a guy say that this week and revelation, in other words, Revelation gives us the day of the Lord four times, like the Gospels give us the hour of the Lord four times. So, because his hours is death, his day is this, and this is what he was saying. And he said the four times would be in the first uh, uh, five chapters, that's the one time, and then the seal judgments, that's the second time, and then the trumpet judgments, and then the vile judgments. The four, they're all the same day, but they're all viewing it how you and I sometimes have always described, well, this is Matthew, it's, you know, Christ as king of the Jews, and Mark is, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he did that with the book of Revelation. So I thought that was unique. Mm -hmm. I've never heard that before. I'm not saying, you know, this guy's, I mean, he's in heaven now, so he knows if he was right or not, Mm -hmm. but you get what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, for me, it helped me go, okay, Brother Wiley's not completely out in left field. Not he, yet, anyway. <laughs> he's saying something that that jives exactly with what Brother Wiley is saying. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. this is last episode, last recording, that was new for me. Um, I had heard you mention it, but I never heard the depth that we went through. And um, so I did some more studying, some, some things, and that one was one of those, huh, not that we have to, we have to try the spirits, whether they be of the Lord. We don't just believe man because man spoke it. Um, but you know, I, clear... I thought this episode would be good to look at the biblical use of the word church outside the church age. Of course, yeah, because you made Which, that statement, yeah, because that was my biggest pothole in the road. Was okay, it says church, so this must be church age, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get that out of my head, couldn't get it out of my mind, and so. I then had to study the use of the word church. Um, and what's interesting is because I'd always, and I preach this, that the final use of the word church is in chapter three of Revelation, and then we get to chapter four, verse one, and it's the rapture. The church is not mentioned again. And that's not true. That's not true. We have to understand the principle that the word of God 
is not given in perfect chronological order. Amen. What I mean by that is, if it was, then the book of Nehemiah would be in our Bible next to Malachi. Mm-hmm. The book of Ezra would be in a different position than it is. The word of... Um, we, so it, it's not given chronologically. So actually, the final two references of the word church, I believe, is in Hebrews... The English word church is in the book of Hebrews. The final, the final use of the word church in the Bible. Chronologically. Chronologically, I believe, is in Hebrews 12. And it's clearly talking about the kingdom, that there's going to be a church in the kingdom. And so once I could understand that there is a church outside the church age, then that helped me to be able to under, that helped me to say, okay. Now I don't have to fit any use of the word church into a particular age. Now I can just let the word of God speak for itself instead of me cramming it where it's not supposed to be. So mm. I, I thought this episode at least is, and maybe we can accomplish more than this, but I believe the Bible speaks of a church before the coming of Christ the first time. Mm. And that is in Stephen's reference in Acts chapter 7. We can debate and argue whether it's only speaking historically or it's also speaking prophetically, but I think we have to at least say it's at least speaking historically Mm -hmm. that they are called the church in the wilderness in, where is that, Acts 7.38, where he's clearly talking about the time of Moses and Paul spoke about them as well. If you in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul also speaks of this church in the wilderness, although he doesn't use the word church, but actually Paul says they were baptized. And and again, I'm not this is not New Testament baptism. I'm not stating that. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, and and when you see, and by the way, when you see a church in the Word of God that is outside the church age, you will see something distinct, and it's the same thing we see in Revelation. You will see a congregation, which is the biblical definition of the word church. I'll show you that in a second. But you will also see an angel leading them. We don't have angels leading us, but the but Israel always has had an angel leading them. And you will see that, and we see that in Revelation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses. Now again, this is not New Testament baptism. This is not the baptism that you and I... Yeah. But notice there's two baptisms here, in the cloud and in the sea. So there's two baptisms here. And did all eat the same spiritual meat? And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock, and then here's the angel that led them, that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So all I'm stating here is I believe Paul is also mentioning this church in the wilderness that Stephen is, Paul does not use the word church, um, but he is also speaking of this congregation in the wilderness who is led by an angel, who's led by Christ. That pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud was the angel, I believe that's the angel of the Lord, that's the... That's the Old Testament appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ is the angel of the Lord. And I believe the angel of the Lord was leading them, and he is going to lead them again during the time of tribulation. So all I'm showing <clears throat> with these two passages is that there is a church which functioned, again, not like our church, didn't function with the doctrine of our church, but here's a church outside the church age, which... Again, in Acts 7, it uses the word church. The, the Old Testament word, we'll see in a second, will be congregation. But um, 
you know, everybody stumbles over this Acts 7 passage. Why does Stephen say church? Yeah, yeah. Here. <clears throat> because again, we come into it with a premise for it to be a church, it must be church age. Well, who determined that? Mm. Mm. <laughs> who determined that? Um, is there anything you want to discuss on that before we get to the next point? Any, any discussion about Stephen's or Paul's reference to this, to this church in the wilderness? Well, even before you were, um, even before you mentioned Stephen and other uses of the word church, um, I knew that we would have to do this. We would have to look at the uses of the word church throughout the scripture and then re reclassify or redefine our understanding of the word church. So so we <clears throat> if we if we chase this we chase this, which we're gonna chase it, what we're what you're contending is that church is a more broad term than, for example, um, the body of Christ, right? Correct. Because the New Testament church is the body of Christ made up of Jew and, and Gentile, Gentile alike. Right, okay? Correct. So, so, and we all can see that, agree with that, get it. And then what we're, what we're looking at, because I'm, I'm seeing this, I'm I'm kind of I'm coming around because I I want to fill in all my and holes. Again, I want the word of God to right. persuade. Well, here's yeah. as easily as I could persuade someone with my words, someone could persuade you else. Hmm. Can so. I? You've can I walk through Acts? Can I look at Acts seven? You've already looked at it, but I'm look like I'm going to look at it and talk through it because I'm looking at it for like in this light for the first time. So I'll talk through it and then you interrupt and say, okay, well, what about you? know what I'm saying, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, so this is like discovery mode. This. That's what this podcast is for. Right. So we know, if we're in Acts 7, we would all agree that it is the preaching of Stephen that we would understand the final offer of the kingdom of heaven is made. Um, and you could say final offer or Israel's final rejection until the mystery of Israel's temporary blindness, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which which Paul writes about in Romans, mm -hmm. right? Um, blindness in part is come unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Okay, correct. That is a mist. That's a New Testament mystery, mystery. which means mm -hmm. it wasn't revealed in the Old Testament. That's right. It is a church age mystery. So when Stephen and Acts is a transitional book, Amen. right? And and if you like step back and big picture Acts, you know. That Acts 7, um, Stephen preaches, he is murdered, and then martyred. You get into chapter 8, and now you're looking at, you see an Ethiopian get saved. And then shortly thereafter, you see um, the centurion, right, get saved. Centurion, Cornelius. Cornelius gets saved, who is a Gentile. So you see this dramatic shift from an Israel-oriented preaching to introduction to Saul, um, and now Gentile ministry. Okay. Absolutely. So, all right. So Acts 7, oh, in the middle of his preaching, he says in verse 37, this is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. Who's he speaking of? Christ. Speaking of Christ. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. All right, so there's no doubt about it that the group of people to whom Stephen is referring to is the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai receiving the law from Moses. From an angel. From an angel. Okay. Now I gotta throw something out there because we gotta figure out what to do with Michael. Because Michael is also identified as Israel's angel, which is an interesting I'm I just I'm noting it. I'm putting a mental put a, asterisk. Put a note there. A note and we'll come back maybe yes. sometime. Yeah, yeah. Um so <laughs> this is no doubt we we have a reference to a group of people who are not a New Testament church. 
You're not in the New Testament age, and they're referred to as a church. Correct. Okay. So this helps us because we have to, like you said, our hang-ups. We've got to, we've got to take our hang-ups or our preconceived ideas. That church does not always refer to a New Testament body of Christ. Okay. All right. Can I? Yeah, you need to. Well, just add to what you mentioned. You mentioned about the church as a mystery. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul revealed that mystery mm-hmm. unto the church. Unto which church? Because now I'm going to start asking that question. <laughs> unto the New Testament church. Okay. All right. But turn to Revelation 1. Unto the body. Unto the body of Christ. Which, you, this is this does a... I mean, the when we mystery. do these podcasts, <clears throat> they affect even... They affect my preaching, too, because I... It helps me become oh, more yeah. more precise in my terminology. I've told our I told our people to yeah. stop listening to the podcast so I can have something to preach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Where did you, did you go? Revelation. Revelation, Revelation one. one. Okay. So you have the mystery of the church revealed by the Apostle Paul. Here in Revelation, the mystery of the church the mystery of the church is revealed unto the nation of Israel. That is. That is verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. So he's about ready to reveal the mystery of the seven stars, which he then reveals it at the end of the verse. Mm-hmm. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So this mystery, um, you know, because when Stephen references that they were the church in the wilderness, I believe to those Jews in that day, it was, you know, it didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. The word church doesn't mean it. So I believe that there's a mystery being revealed. And then what immediately follows the fact that this mystery is being revealed in Revelation 1.20, we have the letters to these seven churches. So you would say Revelation 2 and 3 is a revelation of the mystery that he's talking about in verse To the nation of Israel. So then here's my question, all right, are the seven churches of the tribulation, and you, we get a, you know, it's first half. Okay. Correct. He's addressing them. First three and a half years. Yes. While they are living in the first three and a half years. Correct. In the time of somewhat peace. Yep. Which, which I, I kind of get that. Yeah. Because he's yeah. writing of things which shortly must come to pass. The time is at hand. Yes. So it's almost like, right. I'm getting you ready what for. What are the things that are? Right. What are the things that are? Right. It's what he's seeing right. in that. So are they. Seven churches, Jewish churches, Jewish congregations, mm-hmm. that they're named in type or they're named by name, literally. Like, is there going to be, are these churches literally in Asia? Which, are they literally... What it says... Okay. Um, which Asia is, you know, okay... Uh, these, these, but again, that. But we also have to define a word the way God defines it. You know what I mean? Agreed, right? We right. say is Asia. This, we're like, oh, a, they're in China. Right. We're thinking Asia Minor. Yeah. Is this right. a physical or a spiritual? I don't know. You know, the the spirit of Sodom still, and actually, spiritual Sodom, rightly divided according to the Word of God, is Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem, right? Yeah. Right. Um, so okay. it's a completely different geographic location. Then, so I don't know that. And at uh, the time, at the time, the 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 term Asia will have significance to those Jews that are reading the Book of Revelation. And see, right here, here's what that I makes be- sense. Yeah. Here's what I believe as well. That okay, if <clears throat> if um, the people of Churchill Baptist is called to a different location for whatever purpose or reason, are they still the Churchill Baptist Church? Okay. I believe 
that there is going to be a national gathering of the nation of Israel at the beginning of the tribulation period, and that is going to be for the rededication of the temple, that there is going to be Jews that are going to come from all parts of the earth to come. Now, this isn't the gathering that God's going to do at the end of the tribulation Mm -hmm. when they're scattered because of persecution. Mm -hmm. But it's naturally when the peace accord is made, um, when the Antichrist, and again, that's all part of, remember what the Bible says in Daniel, that through peace, he will destroy many. Mm -hmm. What's the greatest, the people that you're trying to hunt down, the greatest ways to bring them to where you are? Right. And how is he going to do that? It's going to be through this treaty and through the rebuilding of the temple, and he's going to allow them to function as a people for a time. So if these Jews from these regions are coming back to the area of Jerusalem, are they still the church of, the church of, the church of? Um, so I don't have all the answers. That sure. would be my answer. Okay. Because I do believe the Bible speaks to the fact that at the rededication of the temple, it is naturally going to draw Jews back to the homeland. Mm-hmm. Then when the Persian persecution comes, they're going to be scattered once again. And then God, for the last time, will gather them at the end of the tribulation period. But I think the greatest way to answer it would be to study this next use of the word church. Because I'm telling you, this passage will really, when you look at the dispensation in this passage, it will really help you. So if you turn to Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, Here is another use of the word church outside of the church age. Okay. We just looked at the first one, which at least you have to admit it's speaking historically. It may not, it may or may not, we could argue whether it's speaking prophetically. Mm -hmm. I believe that there is some prophetic teaching to it, but I'm not going to, you know, whatever. It at least is speaking of the days of Moses. We know that. Well, Hebrews chapter number two, there's a use of the word church, which is clearly, I believe, the tribulation period, or at least the coming of Christ. Um, I remind our listeners that Hebrews two and verse five sets the time frame for this passage. It is the world to come whereof we speak. So we're speaking of the world to come, which we know is not this age in which we live. We see the return of Christ in verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Notice in verse 12, he quotes Psalm 22, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. So I think we have to agree we're in the tribulation. I believe we're at the return of Christ. We're at the end of the tribulation because of verse number nine. It, it speaks of his coming. If it's not the return of Christ, it's definitely the world to come. We know that. So whether it's tribulation period, mid-trib, mm-hmm. at the end of the mm-hmm. tribulation, return of Christ, we know it's speaking of that time. Well, if you go back to Psalm 22, which it is clearly quoting... It uses the Old Testament word for church. It does not use the word church in Psalm 22. It uses the word congregation. So let's establish that. Psalm 22, verse 22 is what it's quoting. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation congregation will I praise thee. So... I've stopped using the word assembly to define the church. I believe the Bible here is defining the word church. It's congregation. And you may say, well, that's tit for tat. You know, that's, I don't believe so. I'm, I'm letting the word of God speak for itself. Um, and, but what's very interesting is when you rightly divide Psalm 22. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to use the word Advent. I'm trying to get away from that word because I believe it's a Catholic word. Mm-hmm. It's not used in the Bible. I'm trying to get away from it. So the, so if I say the word Advent, you know, it's because I'm just so used to it. 
but the first coming for the nation of Israel, the second coming for the nation of Israel. Psalm 22 is the crucifixion psalm. Mm -hmm. Verses 1 through 18 is Christ's first advent, his first coming for the nation of Israel. It describes his crucifixion. There's more messianic prophecies of the crucifixion of Christ from Psalm 22 than any other. Question. Yes. Are you going to tell us where Psalm 22, 22 is taking place? Yes. Okay. I am. All right, good. What I'm saying is the psalm begins... <laughs> we just did a Bible study on this. So if you're... If you, yeah, so keep going. So Psalm 22 begins with the first advent. Mm -hmm. It ends with the second advent. If you, verses 25 through the rest of the psalm is speaking of the kingdom. Which, okay, can I interrupt very quickly? Mm -hmm. Which doesn't hurt our understanding of the Old Testament because that happens quite regularly. Oh, all the time. You mean prophetic stuff? Well, not just prophetic, <laughs> okay. showing both advents. B both advents and both passages. All the time. All the time. All the time. So many times in the same in the verse. Same verse. Same okay. verse will show both. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you'll notice starting in verse 25 through the rest of the chapter is speaking of the kingdom of Christ, his kingdom, coming to establish his kingdom. Verse 26, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord. That's Christ's kingdom preaching in Matthew 5. Well, verse Blessed 28, meek, he is for the governor shall... among the nations. Right. Verse 27, all the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, uh, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before thee. All right. What period of time? So we have the first advent, the second advent. What period of time exists for the nation of Israel between the two advents? It's only a very short period. Right now, we're in the pause. We're in the church age. Yeah. There's only one short period of time that has to do with the nation of Israel in between the two advents. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's a tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. Can I pause it? Or not, not like pause, pause it with it, the church age? Not pause it, but a different P-O-S-I-T. Can I suggest that verse 22 may actually refer to Jesus preaching in the heart of the earth. Okay. That's why I was asking, because we were looking at this recently. Well, let's look at this uh, just as it's given. Okay. Starting in verse 19. Mm -hmm. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword. Where is the soul of Jesus Christ? Right? Is this Jesus or is this Israel? I would say Jesus simply because the pronoun you Yeah, in verse 17, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me, they, they part, part my, my garments. garments. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Right? Okay. My darling, um, if I'm not, is that the only place it's found in verse 20? My darling? Yeah. From the power of the dog? Who, what people does God call dogs? The Gentile. The Gentile. Save me from the lion's mouth. But who's the lion? That lion is the devil, right? For thou hast heard Psalm 35 me is the other word. from the horns of the unicorn. Then we have this verse 22. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him, and fear him, and all ye the seed of Israel. Then in verse 24, I believe, is when Israel cries out unto the Lord. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. I believe that's Israel crying out unto the Lord. That's Joel 2, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. No, I did not misquote that. Uh, Romans says saved. Joel says delivered. Then notice what happens to the congregation. My praise shall be of thee in the... It went from a congregation to a great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. And then it immediately starts speaking of the kingdom. 
I believe this passage is speaking of Christ also delivering the nation of Israel. I, I believe that this speaks of the tribulation period. Israel cries out unto him, he delivers them, and then we see this reference once again to the congregation, where now it is a great congregation. I believe that's where the body of Christ is united with the nation of Israel, and a congregation, a church in the wilderness, is going to become a great congregation at the coming of Christ. So I, I, and I'm not saying that I've got all these little points right, I certainly don't, but I find it interesting, the series of events in this psalm, <clears throat> and at least we would say that Psalm 22, again, is referring to some congregation mm -hmm. that is outside the church. Age. Absolutely. I mean, even if it's... Okay. So the... the, the big, even if it's the prisoners... Sure. Christ, the Christ. captivity that are led right. captive, they would all have been Old Testament saints. Mm -hmm. So either the point, well taken, is that the word church is not definitively New Testament body of Christ age. It is also used to refer to other congregations outside of that time period, right? Right, And that allows us to look at Revelation with a different set of glasses, different um, perspective, and, and then you're suggesting, too, that if you look at it with that frame of reference, it resolves some difficulties. Like, for example, you made reference to... Christ addressing these churches in the first three and a half years of relative peace, right? Okay, well, that does resolve the Laodicea question, which the Laodicean church, you see no particular persecution that comes up against them. Their significant problem is, is spiritual lukewarmness, right? That's the issue. Um, so... And I think the key to understanding the Laodicean church is the reference to them being blind and naked, because you're going to see that later in Revelation where it talks about their nakedness mm -hmm. and their shame. Mm -hmm. I believe the Laodicean church is an actual congregation that is functioning in Jerusalem mm. where the Antichrist is mm. and um, where Babylon is. So we can, can we suggest that what we're not saying is that Revelation does not have significant value for us. Be All scripture right? is profitable, right? Because we can look at, you know, we can look at the the characteristics of these churches in Revelation and see what the Lord thinks about uh, those that tolerate Nicolaitanism or those that are lukewarm, right? Well, so it shows the character of God. <clears throat> much like right. much like the church today would the church today, the body of Christ, <clears throat> much like we today would study Zechariah. You know, this is interesting cuz my Amanda brought this up to me yesterday. We were she was reading something. She said, "Hey, can I read this to you?" I said, "Yeah, sure." And it it was the author was noting how for example, in the feeding of the 5000, we take a story like the feeding of the 5,000 and we make it about like moralism, like us. Like, oh, we need to give our five yeah. fishes and two loaves of bread when the point of, the, of the, the story is not us and our responsibility. The point is the power of Christ. Yeah. You know what I mean? So again, even we are so disposed to an us-centered view of everything in the scriptures that we see the term church and we think, well, you know, it's got to be us, but it, but clearly it doesn't. It, it doesn't have to well, be us. It also happens even when the word church isn't even found. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Is that where we talked about this in the car on the way over, where we want to make parts of Scripture represent things that it doesn't. Sure. You know what I mean? Because it makes us feel better. Well, and, and even it makes us feel better, and it also affords us license to use the Bible as we will. As we will. As we want. And mm -hmm. um, In order for something to represent something, the Bible has to tell us it does. Right. So. Right. What is that? In order for it to be a picture, it must have a... What in, order, what, it was, in order for there to be a type, there must be an anti-type. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. You know what? In the Bible... Well, would, would the Bible... Can you explain define... that for people? Okay. 
Right. Um, my favorite one is The Rock. Okay, not Dwayne, but <laughs> Dwayne the, the Rock Dre. Johnson. But the scripture. All right. Okay, so, so thanks. here's my favorite. We, we, you remember Flannel Graph? We all remember growing up in Sunday school, and Moses hit the rock twice. Oh, that was bad. You know, it was bad. Oh, I know. But because, you know, Christ is the rock and all that works, but we didn't just pull that out of our hat. You read it. First Corinthians 10 tells us we, we can't just, that makes it a type. Yes. We can't just say the rock pictures Christ. We can prove it because the scripture backs it up. Um, so what you're saying is in order to identify something as a type, you must have a place in scripture that demonstrates I that, believe that that is a type. Yeah. No, like it's not the, just I believe that. Like it's like this Christ, is how it works. Yeah, yes, this, yes. How, this is the mechanics of a type. Mm-hmm. A type is when Christ said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, yeah, so, so shall... Right. Okay, right. so right. there's a the brazen right. serpent. That's See, the, 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 uh, the danger of this type and picture, everything pictures everything, is you just hear things. You know, I heard a message about, okay, uh, okay, probably a huge one is Paul throwing his stick in the fire. Okay. Do you know why Paul threw his stick in the fire? To, to cook, cook his food? Because they were wet and cold. <laughs> because okay. they needed And the that's fire. how you build a fire. It's the four anchors. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard the big stick in the fire thing. What's the... Uh, What's the prevailing error there? Amen. You get rid all of that these sin. all these teen camps where you go throw a stick in the bonfire and yeah. if you dedicating yourself to the Lord. Really? Then... You never do that? I, no, oh, I missed all out. The time. I do all kinds of sticks in the fire. Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> I heard a guy. I heard. A I got guy a lot of sticks. You know what, you know what, do you know what a bundle of sticks is? What's that? You know what a bundle of sticks? Well, is? I know. All right, keep going. Sorry, <laughs> I don't want to digress. Well, I heard a man preach. On remember the time when God reinstituted his covenant with Abram where he divided the Yes. And the Bible says that the birds came and Abraham drove the birds away. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of his message was it was entitled The Stick of Doubt. I'm like, <sighs> okay. And he says, Well, that stick that Abraham used to drive the birds away, the the birds symbolized doubt in Abraham's mind, and so the stick was to drive away okay. the doubt. And I'm thinking, do you know why birds came? Because there were dead carcasses. So, sure. But that's what I, okay, so that's a good that point. That doesn't picture anything. But I might suggest to you that those birds are dirty birds. Like, there's more, they're more than just birds. Angry birds? <laughs> yeah. No, like, they <laughs> could also, the they, they could also be demonic birds. Well, okay. I know that's a side. All right. But. Again, we keep going to the stick. Pictures a stick. Is yeah, what it is. The stick yeah. is a stick. Yeah, right. Stick we go stick. to these these symbolizations and all that kind of stuff. But there's clearly things in the scripture when the scripture tells us it's symbolizing, but when it's not, it's very subjective. We're making scripture subjective. You know what right, I mean? Right, 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 right. It's Pri- like which is called a private interpretation because we say, right. "What does this mean to you?" Right. Have you, how many times have you heard that? Yeah. And this is what we do in the podcast, isn't it, though? We just, what does it mean to you? What does it no, mean to you? <laughs> so, and, and I, I, I guess for me, I remember this growing up. Uh, I, I went to a Christian school, and I remember sitting around a table like this with a bunch of guys, and we decided to, what we called at that time, popcorn preach. Oh, such a dumb idea. That's a dumb idea, guys. Don't do that. Yep. Uh, we just open up the scriptures, right? Uh-huh. And, and then... And that's exactly what it was creating, Mm -hmm. is this, because we would say, what does the scripture mean to you? It doesn't have to mean anything to me. It means what it means. Right. You know what I mean? Don't create something. So, sorry, I just, that one bothers me. The four anchor one really got me. That was the last time I got... Did you preach that or something? No, I heard it. Okay. And at that moment, I realized... What is the four anchor thing? Were you at the short pencil? A short pencil. Okay, <laughs> the short pencil got me thinking. <laughs> the four anchors is when I realized, okay, something's wrong. Right. So, uh, heard a message. You, were you there for the? No, short I miss all the good. You stuff. missed the short pencil. Yeah. Um, I don't think we don't I, mention names. Uh, no, but that anyway. fired me up. I came. <laughs> I came back. That was on a Tuesday yep. night, and I encouraged our folks to go to this meeting. I came back Wednesday night, and I apologized. Mm. I apologize to our mm, church. Right. 
because in an hour and 40 minutes, all I learned was Paul got up. That was it. Yeah. And I thought to myself... The short pencil was in Abraham Lincoln's pocket. Right. 30 minutes of this message was describing the contents in the pockets of Abraham Lincoln when okay. he was assassinated. When he was assassinated. Okay. And one of them was a short pencil. And he just went on like three or four times. So what's, short what pencil. was the point? The point was that he... We don't know. Okay. I, no I just remember he had a short pencil. I didn't learn right. anything so, about the Bible, so but I learned... Does that mean something? if I have a pen that the length never changes, that somehow I am... Yeah. Not. If 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 I'm thrown into a trivial pursuit game and the question is what, what was the Abraham content? Lincoln? Yeah, <laughs> I can give you one. Okay, so ready, bringing it back to right where we ought to be. The Bible says that that the Scripture is of no private, private. interpretation. That's right. And here's the blessing of that. Because okay, if you think a lot of times I try and put myself in the seat of someone who is listening to preaching. Okay. If somebody gets up and preaches something like that, and you think, I have no idea how he got that, it might be because it's a private, and he's using a private interpretive system yes. to get that. If you can't see, okay, to use an example, um, Philip and the Ethiopian, right? The Ethiopian is reading Isaiah. He doesn't understand what it means, but Philip comes alongside and shows him what the scriptures mean. And not, you know, it's just, if you don't know where someone gets it from, I challenge, you know, I try. And I know, like, the Lord's going to, the Lord will help us. The Lord will help me to get better at this over time as I study to show myself approved unto him. But I want people, and I have a hard time figuring out the line sometimes. Hmm. But, and I don't know how you guys figure, have you, you maybe have figured this out, Brother Wiley. The line between showing people your work, Right. And just preaching something to be true. Because I feel like if I show my work, if I show the work, then they can either, it either validates or invalidates the conclusions. Okay. So to add to that, just last night, yep. I had a gentleman in the church come to me, not to pat myself on the back, but he comes to me and he says, he's, he's a charter member of the church I'm at. So he's, he voted me in 14 years ago. You know what I mean? And he comes to me last night and he says... At one point, I could argue with you. He said, but tonight, well, not that tonight, but he just, he used tonight, because I used, anyway, we, we did a subject matter that was a vital, a major doctrine. Mm -hmm. And he says to me, he goes, you cannot argue the Bible. Right. And he said, and all you gave us was the Bible. Yeah. And he said, I appreciate that. Yeah. He said, it was, it, it how how does one walk away and not see it? And that you didn't, you didn't give us your opinion. Right. All you did was give us what the Bible right. says. So not to pat myself on the back, but at the time I'm going, yay. You that, know? But that produces mature believers yes. in your church. Yes. Because they're not beholden to whatever private interpretive system you make use of, right? Whatever whim, whatever, you know, you, I got a sermon on the sidewalk in town. To, okay. I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard. I have, I have heard someone that. say, "You know, you get your sermons out in the world." Okay. Um, I don't think so. I think we we get. I can our, air some dirty laundry. I guess all kinds of sermons. I tell you, I've preached. You get uh, you okay. <laughs> the physical illustrates the spiritual, so you get illustrations of biblical truth. Jesus used parables, but use his parables, right? You know, why do I have to come up with an illustration? You know what I mean, right? Because I mean. Not that it, I know it exists because I've gone to it, not for my own reasons, but I, I just was curious if it existed. There's websites that give you illustrations for your passage. Right. That you can just Google and come up with and like, oh, that'll, uh, that'll be good. Well, some of us don't have a lot of... Okay. We have the benefit, we, the three of us have the benefit of being bivocational. Yep. Okay. All right. Someone's like, what do you mean that's a benefit? Because you have to work a real job in the real world and you're not in an office all day. You kind of relate to your people a little bit. Right. So you understand the everyman struggle, mm -hmm. the everyman's, what he's up against, what he deals with. And so if you're a pastor, and this is no shade, okay? No shade. But a pastor who is not does not have to be bivocational, there's a risk of a disconnect mm -hmm. between what you think people are dealing with and what they're actually dealing with. Mm -hmm. Right, um, 
I don't know how we ended up here, <laughs> but we are making the point. We are making the point. And I've I've one more passage. Yeah, you, yeah. And then sorry, we, sorry. Then we, we can really. Yeah, we you went have, that I'm hole. Politely up. endured our little chat over here. I believe. Oh. I believe James is still here. Eh? I believe the final use of the word church chronologically in the Bible yeah. is Hebrews twelve. It's like a violent. Yeah, you said pivot. that about thirty minutes ago. I know. Well, let's go there. Can you believe we've already recorded an hour? Have you really? Is well, this going to be a two-parter? I'm giving you this, and then we're wrapping it. Because I, f- I feel like we've accomplished the point we're talking about. Yep. It's just... Just because the word church is in there doesn't mean church. Churches existed in other dispensations besides this church. And mm-hmm. even if you want, if it softens the blow, congregations... And the word congregation. Well, I don't think we church- have to do that because our King James Bible uses the word church. Yeah, yeah. So sure. it's it's given the it's the difference between the word delivered in Joel and the word saved in Romans. Mm-hmm. There's a dispensational shift. Okay. Um, it's Hebrews twelve twenty two and twenty three. I think this is clearly the kingdom, clearly. But ye are come unto Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Can we say that that's not talking about this age? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Verse 23. To, this is what they're coming to, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. So again, he's he's showing uh, this comparison to Old Testament times. Um, and so I believe this is speaking of the millennial kingdom, I believe that chronologically, this is the final use of the word church, not Revelation 3. That, And we see that there is going to be a congregation, a church, in a different age, a different time, does not function like our church today, does not perhaps have the same doctrine that we have in this age, but it's a church nonetheless. Do you think the spirits of just men made perfect is a reference to the New Testament church? I don't know that. I haven't I haven't looked into that. So okay. I, I couldn't say. Okay. Do you? Um first reaction, first take? Yeah. That was me too. Yeah. I was to make sure I wasn't the only right. weird one. First take. I'm yeah. like, okay, well that would you know, because there is a group of people that are referred to as the spirits of just men made perfect. Yeah. Right. Right. Who are Who ruling are and ruling and reigning with him. Yeah. And in is his that kingdom. showing that this congregation is also, because then you'll notice in verse 24, where it's really speaking of the nation of Israel, the mediator of the new covenant into the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. He's still, remember, Hebrews is better than, of Jesus yeah. is yeah. better than. And so the Jew understands the sacrifice of Abel. Um but how this new covenant is of course, they're better. Also, they're than... going to Mount Zion, to Mount Sion, the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. They're very Jewish. It's words. still very Jewish. Yeah. So tell yeah. tell us then, what heavenly Jerusalem is that? Jerusalem that descends from heaven, the new city. I'm. I would have to say yes. Okay. Well, so it's heavenly. Right? Yep. So this is talking about. So would this be talking about eternity, as opposed to the kingdom? If they are come unto heaven. Excuse me, heavenly Jerusalem. Um, I mean, the Jerusalem that is of heaven is the one that descends. I guess we could say, regardless of what age this is speaking of, Mm -hmm. it is not the church age. Sure, clearly, yeah, right. But they're looking. Is this is this looking for a city? Is this (laughs) looking for a city? Is this do it? (laughs) Is this the world to? This isn't the world to come. Would this be the world without end? The world without end. It's possible. It's possible. So. I think we wrap up here just because, okay, I think we've accomplished what we set out to do to show that there are churches in other ages besides the church age. Again, we have not drawn any conclusion yet with Hebrews, t- Hebrews, Revelation 2 and 3. Right. My only goal was to show we need to think outside the church age when we think church. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. That's all I hope to accomplish today. All right. I feel like the Bible demonstrates that. Good. Yeah.
Wrap us up, my man. We're good? Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, hope you enjoyed. It was a good, good time together in God's Word. And um, if you're a subscriber, if you, or rather, if you haven't subscribed, please click that subscribe button. Like, share, send it to friends. Let them know that there's some weird guys in Maine that love the Bible and uh, love to talk about the Bible. So praise God for it. And I uh, hope you enjoyed today. We'll see you once again next time here on Backwoods Theology.